0: I am so excited for today's episode where I interview Aida Garcia Toledo of Three Little Plums. She is an expert in low-tox living, and as a consultant and educator in this space, she has a wealth of knowledge to share. Toxins impact us, our fertility, and our babies majorly, yet switching to a low-tox lifestyle can be really overwhelming. That is where Aida comes in. Whether you are just thinking about kids along the fertility or infertility journey, pregnant, or have little ones at home, this episode is a must-listen. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Healthy as a Mother, the podcast for becoming and being a mother, with your co-hosts, Dr. Leah Gordon and Dr. Morgan McDermott, two naturopathic doctors who get it. Each week, we teach you how to be the healthiest mother you can be, from fertility and preconception to pregnancy and birth prep through postpartum and throughout motherhood, empowering you with the natural health guidance and education you're not getting elsewhere, so you can confidently navigate the broken system at large. The real, the raw, the untalked about. And remember, this information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or manage any disease. Always consult with your doctor before making any changes. All right, Aida, I am so happy that you are here to join us and talk all about toxins and low-tox living. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited that we made this happen on uh, your <laughs> podcast. I know it's so helpful. So excited to be here.
0: Awesome. And just for people who don't know, or even people who do already follow you, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you involved in educating about toxins.
1: <laughs> um, so, well, my name is Aida Garcia Toledo, Toledo, um, and I'm the owner of Three Little Plums. Um, Three Little Plums today is a consulting company and also just a free educational resource for many people. Um, I have a big presence on Instagram and then I do one-on-one consulting with families. I work with companies and my goal as a human being really (laughs) is to make low-tox living easy Mm -hmm. and stress-free and that's something that um, resonates deeply with me because when I started this lifestyle. I was very overwhelmed and stressed out. Um, so, you know, what I want to do is and what my company does is really help navigate people navigate how to do it, you know, and also kind of like empowering people mm-hmm. so that they can do it themselves. Um, yeah, which I think some at first when you start doing low talks living, you know, it's really overwhelming. And you can not imagine a moment where it becomes second nature. Yeah. But it yes. So I'm just there to kind of guide you until I get you.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I love that. And for anyone listening, we have previous episodes about toxins and why they matter and why they impact fertility. Um, So we don't have to go like super deep into that. But can you tell us because the seasons of trying to conceive, the seasons of fertility, pregnancy, and when you have little babies are so, so important for this. Can you speak just a little bit from your perspective on why low-tox living is important, why people should be paying attention now? Yeah.
1: Um, So we live in a world, right, where we are on a daily basis, um, just exposed to hundreds of environmental toxins in everyday products, in your favorite products, in the water you're drinking, in the air you're breathing. Um, And unfortunately or fortunately, we cannot live in a bubble, which is a toxic-free bubble, right? Mm -hmm. What we do know is that environmental toxins affect our health, short-term, long-term health. And we also know that there are certain moments in our life, um, they're called windows of vulnerability or susceptibility, when we are more vulnerable to the effects of toxins. Mm -hmm. So it just so happens that pregnancy is one of them and fetal development is another one of them. So these are two periods in life when any exposure to any chemical that would be bad for anybody, it just, it's extra bad. You know, it's just, you're more vulnerable. And um, so that is why the period of um, conceiving, so it's the preconception period, the conception period, and the actual pregnancy, that's why it's so important to try to um, reduce our exposure to toxins. You know, I'd say those are the most important periods in life. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the rest of the time you should also be reducing toxin exposure. You can kind of relax a little bit, but during those periods, you want to be a little bit more strict. Um, so there are specific toxins, environmental toxins that are linked to infertility and Mm -hmm. science has really advanced in the last couple of years. And we know so much more than we ever did before. And it can affect women's reproductive health and also men's. Um, so it's. What's great about it, and I hate to say the word great with, you know, with the topic of infertility, but what's actually kind of neat about it is that a lot of these toxins that are linked to infertility, um, we can actually reduce our exposure to them with relative ease. You know, small switches can actually impact those toxins. Um, And that's empowering. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that there's like a huge disconnect, as you know, between people who are going through infertility gain knowledge that they just don't know that this is an issue.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I went to a a conventional fertility conference last year. And so these are all of like the regular conventional fertility doctors that you would go to on the infertility journey. And one of the talks, there was a woman who got up there and was like, you guys I think there's this thing called toxins that's impacting fertility. You know, it was like blowing her mind. Everyone was like, "What?" you know, like they were so confused. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you guys are very behind the times. Like the literature is very, very clear on this. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, we have people on this podcast who are everywhere from preconception, struggling with infertility, and our moms are pregnant and and new moms and this is the window. So if you're listening to this podcast, most likely this is the time to pay attention. So given that, what would you say is like some of your favorite easy switches? Like how does someone who's just hearing this, they're like, okay, this is important. This is potentially impacting my ability to get pregnant, my future babies. What do you prioritize first? Like, what do you? Because it can be overwhelming. You're just like walking around the world. Like everything's toxic. What What do you recommend? Yeah. What do you recommend?
1: Well, you know, it's it's going to kind of depend on
0: on your lifestyle, right?
1: And everyone, the way you live your life is different, and where you live, and and all things like that. But I think that the most important, you know, I think I'd back up and be like, well, which are the chemicals that we know are Linked to infertility, right? Mm -hmm. And there's these are all they're called endocrine disrupting chemicals. It's a huge, it's like a family of chemicals, right? If you think about it, and all these different chemicals affect our endocrine system, which is our hormones. Um, And that's where you see the issues with the reproductive hormones. So, which are these? It's actually the ones that you probably all have heard of at some point. You know, it's the bisphenols, like the BPA, it's the phthalates um, that are found in fragrance and in plastics and in food. Um, it's the PFAS, um, the ones that traditionally were found in Teflon and nonstick cookware and in other things. Um, all of those are endocrine disrupting chemicals. There's also chemicals in air pollution that are endocrine disrupting chemicals, and there's strong links to, to issues with fertility. Um, and I was, you know, I, I found, I remember some like studies that were, that I think are impactful is that, for example, in terms of PFAS chemicals, um, fertility was reduced by as much as 40% in those that reported higher blood concentrations of PFAS. Wow. Um, so that's like a big chunk of, you know, big percentage. There was another in terms of pesticides in foods. There was a great um, study in 2017 and there was one prior in 2015, but 2017 when these were done by Harvard, Um, University, and it was the first to link daily low levels of pesticide exposure. So, this was not people who lived on farms or in agriculture. These are people like you and me who are, but who are not eating organic. Um, So, low levels of pesticide exposure were linked with miscarriage in women undergoing specifically IVF. Um, Wow. And it was as much as people who reported eating more than 2.2 servings per day of conventional grown. Fruits and vegetables. Wow. Again, that's not a lot. Um, and then the 2015 study looked at men's sperm, and um, they found that men who reported eating more servings of produce high in pesticides had poorer semen quality. Um, so again, pesticides, a huge one. So mm-hmm. taking all of this into account, you know, I, I like to focus on. I think the easiest things to do are well, what do you do every day? Yeah. right? So where do you get your more biggest bang for your buck? Um, you have to eat every day. You mm-hmm. have to drink water every day. Mm-hmm. You have to breathe every day. Those are they for survival, as we all know. So
0: yeah.
1: how do we clean up our food in terms of fertility and reducing um, exposures to environmental chemicals? Well, organic, yes. You know, the reality, there is science, as I just read, that shows that eating foods that are non-organic, that have higher levels of pesticides are linked to infertility issues. So you really want to clean up in terms of buy as much organic as possible. Now, sometimes budget can affect this. Not everyone can afford a 100% organic diet. And that's where you have to give priority then to the food that you eat the most, but also there's the fruits and vegetables um, and then there's like dairy products that tend to have higher levels of different chemicals, including pesticides.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: then also look at like if you're eating meats, you want to look at those three. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my number one tip, I think, you know, but also there's these chemicals called phthalates, which I mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. thylets are clearly also linked. There's a lot of studies um, linking it to infertility. Yeah. Right. So our number one now people know about phthalates a lot because it's in fragrance chemicals and it's in soft plastics. But our number one exposure to phthalates are actually the food that we're eating.
0: Oh, interesting. Um,
1: yes, and actually, just about like a month ago, there was a study that came out that showed they tested f- different types of foods in a, in like standard supermarkets, uh-huh. and 99% of them had phthalate levels. Um, oh my gosh! Really Hi. So that explains why we all have platelets in our
0: body. But and is that is that processed food that are in packages and bags that are around plastic or is that produce yeah. is that meat like what so kind of food? It.
1: It's um for the most part it's processed and ultra processed foods. Yeah. And sometimes it can be the containers or the you know how it's packaged, but oftentimes it's actually how it's manufactured. So any oh. food, if you think about it, like any food that goes through any manufacturing process. So if you mm-hmm. think of like, let's think of cow milk, right? Because I think that's like the easiest. In the olden days, you would, you know, like <laughs> milk the cow mm-hmm. and you would put it in, <laughs> you know. and A it jar would be- and drink a it. Jar, and then you would drink it. Yeah. No silence no right? Right. Nowadays,
0: <laughs> there's a lot of
1: tubing going on. There's a lot of packaging going on. Um, and that's where you get violent exposure. In the tubing. In, um, tubing. If you're seeing if there's people like if you're making, I don't know, cheese or or any other kind of processed food, you have people who have like gloves on in. Um, so that's where you're getting exposure to thylates. Um, so processed foods, even if it's organic processed foods, processed foods are a huge um, source of exposure for thylates. So yeah. going back to the original question, if you're looking to get pregnant, number you know two in your list would be. Eat more fresh, organic food, less processed foods, and eat out less. And the problem with eating out is, again, because um, of gloves being used, because of pots and pans that might contain PFAS chemicals in the kitchens of restaurants, because of packaging. Um, If your pizza is being delivered, the box might contain PFAS chemicals. Because of all of that, you just have more control at home to reduce Mm -hmm. exposures. So if you can eat... And cook at home with fresh organic fruits and vegetables, and just food in general. You're going to greatly reduce your exposure to a lot of these endocrine disrupting chemicals in your I
0: Love that, yeah. I know. I personally feel so much better. You know, we just moved to Idaho, and California is amazing where we were <laughs> oh. in the sense that there's so much amazing restaurants and food, and they have good food here too. But we just tend to cook more at home now, and I just feel so much better. You know. It's amazing how different you feel. One tip, though, that I do like to give, which I'm sure you do as well, is if you are going to go eat out, especially if you're getting warm food, think ahead and maybe bring like a glass Tupperware because I think if you have leftovers, the plastic or styrofoam containers that they often put them in with your hot food, like we used to get Thai food all the time. And I was like, I can't. Bring this hot soup home, you know, because it's just going to leach all of that plastic in there. So these might seem like excessive measures, but if you are a person who's like must eat out or, you know, goes and gets hot soup every day for lunch, like there are ways that you can bring your own containers and do things to minimize that. But that eating at home is. And I mean,
1: I, I will mention, I think that, you know, it seems really easy. Oh, cook more at home. But the reality is that if you're going through, say, IVF or if you're in your first trimester of pregnancy, you a lot of times feel really bad and it's just really hard to cook healthy food sometimes. So, you know, that's like a reality of it. So that's, you know, I think that's an important tip on how to mitigate also it's all about trying to reduce and do the best you can do. Yeah. Um, And I think that when you know what to avoid, Mm -hmm. it just, Oh, okay. makes sense. I can do this. Um, And I think, you know, That was like my next tip in the kitchen. If you're someone who likes to reheat food, because say you're cooking the food at home and you're taking it to work and you're reheating it in a plastic Tupperware in the microwave. Well, that great healthy food that you cooked on, you know, like a PFAS free pans and pots and you did and it's organic. But if you put it in a plastic Tupperware and in the microwave, those chemicals in that plastic tupperware will leach, will you know, migrate to your food, um, yeah, which is what you're referring to. So you want to make sure that you are, um, you know, you have those glass containers to use mm-hmm. around the house. I also think what's kind of great about this is that I think a lot of people think that low tox living is really expensive, but like, yes, organic food is more expensive, but you know, eating home at, more often. Mm-hmm saves you a bunch of money yeah, it does um, you know even glass tupperware costs a little bit more than plastic tupperware but it lasts
0: yes years you know and you it don't... doesn't get smell or odor which that's I right. love which
1: yeah. so is like nasty um, so you know that's that's kind of like a, a little added you know perk that you're actually sometimes saving a little bit of money with some of these tricks
0: yeah yeah time so that's
1: like for food. I think, you know, the next thing that's really important is what are you putting on your body? Um, Oh wait, I actually, before I forget the last thing I would definitely mention, I glazed over it, but I think it's really, really important. Um, and it's the pots and pans that you're using in your kitchen to cook the food.
0: Yeah. What do you recommend? I feel like people feel very confused and stressed out by the pots and pans situation.
1: it's really funny because I think that it's something that is really overwhelming for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can tell you blank out anything that's like nonstick with a coating on it. I do not recommend. So if it's most of the time, it'll still contain PFAS chemicals. And these are not only horrible and um, an issue for infertility, but they're actually just horrible for our health in general, our long-term health. Um, You know, we accumulate them in our body. They're linked to cancers Um, so you, you want to avoid that. Um, the safest is to have a mix of like a stainless steel, cast iron and glass. That's what you should be using on a daily basis in your kitchen. Um, and again, I know people get really intimidated, I think with cast iron and stainless steel. I think it's intimidating, but, um, in my Instagram, I have videos on, and I think you might have at some point posted something on how to make these pots and pans Truly non-stick because yeah. you know my husband makes breakfast in our house every single day. If he can make eggs, <laughs> <that's the only laughs> you guys can too. Like, yeah, oh. yes,
0: yeah. Okay, So we'll definitely have to go check out your videos on that because I think <laughs> that is the biggest reason people and it's it's simple things that maybe we should have been taught by our our mothers and grandmothers, and that knowledge and information has just been lost. It's so so not, we don't know. More convenient,
1: I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my grandmother used to have a cast iron. And she would make our pancakes on it. And I remember that because it was like black. And I just remember, and my mom never used it. I remember her talking kind of bad about it. She's like, mm-hmm. no, you know, get these new these new pans. And it was like the Teflon ones because that was the newest rage in right. the 80s, right? Um, she had no idea. We no one knew at that point that they were really? harmful to our health. But um, it's kind of, yeah, it's what you're saying. It's kind of going back
0: to... Yeah. To basics, I yeah, guess. Yeah, back to basics and slower living and more. I feel like there was this surge, you know, I mean, we could talk about this forever, yeah. but I've <laughs> just like the feminist movement and women wanting to get out of the kitchen and wanting to go to work. And so everything needed to be convenient because there wasn't the time to sit there and make butter out of milk and, you yeah. know, homemade bread and all of this stuff like my grandma did. And now we're kind of kicking ourselves that we did all of that. And unfortunately, Perfect. the children that were in the womb at the time when this living is better through chemistry explosion happened are the ones that are really struggling with fertility. Now the people in the eighties, you know, for the most part. Right. um, And in nine early nineties too are all kind of waking up to like these fertility issues. And we're just now figuring it out, but that exposure was maybe 30 years ago. So the more that we know, the more we can protect our future generation, but I think our generation has a lot of unraveling to do of of that mentality.
1: And we'll see that also in the next coming, you know, decades, I think, you know, and that brings me to, I think the importance of the reality that like these chemicals. And I think that's part of the problem why some people have such a hard time understanding why these chemicals are harmful is that sometimes you see effects immediately you know, I think like with infertility, that's an example. You might see it, you've like pretty like within a certain period of time, but sometimes you don't see these effects for like generations. Sometimes. Yeah. So like BPA is a chemical that you just, you know, that, that you mentioned, you know, a mother might be exposed to BPA when she's pregnant and her daughter and her daughter's daughter might have health effects related to that BPA exposure which is crazy, you know, but um it's a reality and it's not only for BPA but other chemicals too. So, yet another reason to be um just to reduce your exposure as much as you can during, you know, these periods.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I think the biggest like aha moment for me is all the literature on phthalates and male fertility as well in the sense that you know, a little boy in utero, like if I were to be pregnant with a little boy, if I was exposed to a bunch of phthalates, his reproductive development could be impacted in utero that would impact him. So that's what I'm saying. Like he would become 30 years old and just start realizing, oh, I don't have a lot of sperm. Something's wrong with my reproduction. And that happened 30 years ago when he was in the womb because these chemicals, like you said, endocrine disruptors disrupt the hormonal production. And we're seeing that in women with PCOS. PCOS, as you I'm sure know, is one of the top reasons for female infertility And it is also being linked back to toxin exposure in the womb. So it's not to say that we can't, you know, mitigate these issues as as adults and go back. But just to say, moving forward, we have a responsibility, right, to protect our our kiddos. So these are all such good practical tips. So other than the cooking, you were talking about putting stuff on your body.
1: Yeah. So I think you know, going back to what we put on our body on a daily basis, right? So I'm less concerned about if you use. I don't know one special lipstick when you go out. I'm less concerned about that than what you're using every single day, um, and what's staying on your body. So that includes everything from if you use deodorant, deodorant. If you're using body wash or soap, body wash or soap. Um, yes, shampoo also, body lotion. Um, I mean, women use. I don't remember what the number is, but I think it's some. It's like a dozen or or more. Mm-hmm. I think up to twenty something. Um personal care products every single day. So it really adds up really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know again, I think that if you're looking to conceive if you are pregnant, um, I always recommend just really going back to basics, stripping it back, um, just simplify your routine as much as possible and identify products that are low top lower tox. So these are just ingredient lists that you recognize. Um, nowadays there's some great apps that you can use. Um, I've been using a lot like the switch natural app.
0: Oh my, um,
1: oh my gosh. It's, it's like, I, I was actually on the podcast of, um, Andrea, her, the owner, but she's amazing and it's the easiest app. You just, you take a picture of any ingredient list, either online or if you're in a store and it just like scans it. You if there's any potential. Well, um, oh,
0: that's great. So it doesn't have to be because a lot of the apps like Environmental Working Group and Think Dirty, that product has to be in the database. Otherwise, they don't know. Right. That's why. This oh. Is- oh, my gosh. That's probably like one benefit of AI.
1: <laughs> it really is. And I think that also I think it's really intimidating, you know, whereas I've been doing low tox living for 14 years, I might recognize an ingredient as not a great one, but it's taken me 14 years to get here. You know, if you're just starting on this journey, you have no idea what ingredient is okay and what ingredient is not. I mean, these right. words, you can even you can't even pronounce them, right?
0: I am
1: um so these kinds of apps really make your life easier. Okay, great. I'm um, gonna add and, that to
0: our show notes.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's What's great about it also is that, you know, nowadays, again, 14 years ago when I was pregnant with my first son, and that's how I kind of started on my journey, um, there weren't any, there weren't that many good products, you know. So Not I would use, for example, coconut oil, which I still recommend using nowadays. You can use coconut oil as a moisturizer for your belly, for your body, um, as a makeup remover. Um, and I do still recommend, if you can, using really simple um, products like that yeah. when you're pregnant, you know, even when I was pregnant, so I have a 14 year old and I have a 10 year old and I have a two year old. And even with my two year old, I went back to basics. You know, most of the products that I use are anyway, quite low tox, obviously, but I went even more natural. You know, I use my coconut oil. I, I just really simplified it. Um, so, so that's, you know, another key thing is to avoid fragrance Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's synthetic fragrance, there can be dozens of undisclosed chemicals, and a lot of them are going to be um, both allergenic chemicals, but also endocrine disrupting chemicals, including thymids. Um So you just want to avoid anything that's synthetic fragrance. That means, you know, again, it's we're not just talking about candles and um, room fresheners, although those are important to avoid. Yep. Um, and I, I know a lot of people who are exposed to them every single day in their office, in their home. So you should stop, like plug-ins, um, Febreze. You don't use any of that. Yep. But it's also there's fragrance in our makeup. There's fragrance in our shampoo in our personal care products. So you yep. really want to go to um, fragrance-free.
0: Yeah. What do you, What would you say to someone – Who's obsessed with perfume? I think some it's so built into our culture that everyone needs to have perfume and cologne on all the time and you know in some of my courses and programs when we get to the low tox part, there's so much resistance to getting rid of perfume what would you say to someone because my understanding is that conventional perfume is just straight fragrance like toxic fragrance yeah, yeah, yeah. Like- there's like
1: it's, there's conventional perfume nowadays there is nothing natural about it you know it's mostly like everything's made in the laboratories musks um i remember when i was working for this company and i was um just looking at all the products that they were going to sell. And I would reach out to the companies and be like, well, can you disclose your fragrance? Right. Let's see if, you know, if it's all natural, because they would market it as all natural. And most of these companies had no idea what was in the fragrance. They're like, Oh, we don't know. The fragrance house doesn't disclose that, but they tell us it's all natural. So not even the companies making the products know what's in there. Um, So yes, I mean, it's, we do know that there are VOCs, there are, um, violets in there. So generally, and here's, here's a little story for you. Um, I think like a month ago, it was during the holidays. My son, who's four, turning 14 in a couple of weeks, um, went shopping with his grandparents and <laughs> not my parents. I would have mentioned that <laughs> because they home with a cologne, um, I don't know if it was like Versace. It was one of these, you yeah. know, like cologne classic cologne. ones. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is something that I need to address. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he's like, well, all my friends wear cologne, and I'm like, no, like I understand that, and I appreciate that, but you know, in an age appropriate way, we had to have a conversation about how there are chemicals that affect. And then I try to make it, you know, associated to things that he cares about. Um, But long story short, the good news is that there are some lower tox perfumes nowadays that are available.
0: And do you think that those are safe? Like I saw, I know there's some brands that say that they're, you know, non-toxic perfumes. And then I saw another brand that was supposedly like the old way they used to make perfume like back in the day. uh And I was very curious about that. And you might not know, are those better alternatives or are they just like fancy marketing?
1: You know, I think it's a combination. I think they're better. Let's start there. I think they are better. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I don't, I'm very sensitive to fragrance. so I yeah. do not use perfumes. Um, so this isn't my strongest area of expertise, but I can say that companies like, for example, um, I think Henry Rose is one um, mm-hmm. that's been around for a while. Their ingredients are definitely better than anything you would find in conventional um, perfumes. And just by the fact that they know what's in there. Let's start yeah. there you know, that's already a step in the right direction. Um, A lot of them do contain essential oils and essential oils are also chemicals, but they're natural. Um, So going back to where in your life are you? How often are you using this? Um, I think that if you are looking to conceive, if you're in these windows of vulnerability, Mm -hmm. I would avoid them again. just Just because they're better doesn't mean that they're, the best. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so that's my, I'm just extra, extra careful during yeah. that window of vulnerability, both of them. Yeah. So I would tend to say, don't. Now, if you want to use it because when you go out to dinner on a date night, that's fine. Otherwise, you know, yeah. I want to use it every day, but every so often, it's definitely the better option. And that's why these better options, it's important that they exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Perfect. So let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Did you know that 97% of women in the US take a prenatal supplement, yet 95% plus are still deficient in key nutrients? My favorite prenatal is from a company called Needed because they dose nutrients at levels to not just meet the bare minimum as most prenatals do. They actually use form of nutrients and dosages that allow mama and baby to thrive. Needed actually approached me years ago and asked me if I could help them design the perfect prenatal because they knew that the current prenatals available were not actually helping women. We spent over three years diving into the research and understanding what practitioners are seeing and what women actually need at this important season before we formulated this amazingly supportive option. It's no wonder over 4,000 practitioners now recommend Needed, something I am very proud of. If you have followed me for a while, you know that prenatals and optimizing nutrients starts long before pregnancy. So no matter where you are along your fertility or motherhood journey, Needed is the brand I recommend. Head to thisisneeded.com and use code Mother to save 20% on your first order. Again, visit thisisneeded.com and use code HEALTHYMOTHER to save 20%. Okay, back to the show. Are there any other prioritizing tips that you had on your list? I think
1: the other thing that's really important is um, like your home, your cleaning, Mm. cleaning just in general. Um, And because there are so many chemicals (laughs) in cleaning, in conventional cleaning products, and not only are there so many chemicals, but they are really known to be harmful. Um, So generally speaking, just, you know, like I would just, avoid using conventional cleaners. If you can go to the basics, which is like a vinegar and water cleaner, that's what I would do. But again, today we do have better companies making um, pre-made cleaners. You know, there's the Branch Basics of the World. There's Humble Suds is another good one. Um, Laundry detergent. Also, you want to avoid um, anything that has like fragrance chemicals and um, you want to avoid those like the wash the dryer sheets because those have chemicals, um, they're called plots and they're designed to just stick on your clothes and it's a, almost like a slimy it's, it's really gross <laughs> if you think about What they do, it's how they make your clothes soft. It's like the slimy layer that is designed to stay there and release with time. So anyway, um yeah, those no- are, that if you can <laughs> avoid you can, and those are quick, easy, I think easy changes. Yeah. Um And again, we're in a moment in time when there's a lot of really good brands that are low-tox. So that makes it a little bit easier.
0: Yeah. And I just want to tell people because I know some people out there don't have time or don't want to clean their own house and they hire cleaners. And in my experience, they have the most toxic products ever. Even more natural cleaners, in my experience, I've ran into they'll use these kind of green labeled brands like, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. But... You can still give your like professional cleaners just solutions of baking soda vinegar. I mean, that's what we do. I have helped now cleaning my house and I just tell them I don't want to, you to use any of your stuff. I don't even care if it's like better cuz I can just tell that it's not. Just use my stuff and and most of them will and if not, you know, find a different cleaner that will. So, I think some people feel like because my mom, I'm still trying to get her. She's like, but my lady, she's so good. And I, you know, I'll walk into her house and I'm like, I am literally dying. You can't live in this all the time. This is crazy. And she can help clean with other products. So that's just another thing to remind people. Do you
1: know that- what I find helps also um, in my experience when you talk to them and you kind of tell the person who's going to do the cleaning that it's mostly for their health. Yeah, totally. The reality, the you reality. Know? And you kind of explain it you don't have to go into details because some people just don't want to hear it, but say, you know what, those products that you're using have chemicals that can really affect your health. Mm -hmm. And this is better for you. Um, and sometimes that helps a little bit, but yet, like you say, if they're not willing to do it, you you have to find someone else because it's that important. Um, it is not only the moment of cleaning, but those chemicals linger in our household. So you're breathing them, you're touching them. Um, every time you're home. Yeah. Um, You know, and I actually, (laughs) going back to the kitchen.
0: (laughs) Yes, let's do it.
1: I'm like, wait a minute. I should have written this out in an organized way because there's some really important ones that we forgot. Water. Um, And, Mm. you know, I think that that's one of those things. We drink water every day, as we mentioned, right? So really getting a water filter, the best one that you can afford, I'd say, um, is really, really important. It's almost like the first thing you want to do in terms of reducing exposure to chemicals because we know that tap water Nowadays has a lot of chemicals, including PFAS chemicals, including I mean, there's even like um, antibiotics and medicine that makes its way to our water. Right. Um, so you really want to get the best water filter that you can afford.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, that's so great! I have a quick question, and I know you weren't prepped for this, but. There's some talk about stainless steel. Obviously, stainless steel is better than plastic. We want to get away from that. But there's some talk about where the stainless steel is made and if it actually has a bunch of toxins and heavy metals that are leaching. And, you know, is glass a better alternative or is glass just as toxic? And I, there's just a lot of confusion, I think, out there. Can you speak to that at all as far as yeah. like yeah. containers for I, your stuff? So
1: I think that... um. Okay, so there's a couple of layers to that to that answer. You know, stainless steel can have impurities on occasion. You know, there has been cases of lower quality stainless steel. Um, often it's made in Asia, like in China, and that has happened. Now, stainless steel is um, chromium and nickel. There's like a percentage of chromium and nickel. Um, you usually want to have kind of like a... Um, It kind of depends on the grade also, but the 305 grade is one of the more stable ones. You want like a good balance so that it won't be like, what's that word? Corrosive? Like corroding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, corroding. Um, And, but you don't want the nickel leaching out either because nickel can be harmful. So what I I consider is, if you can find stainless steel made in the United States, go with that, right? That's That's the ideal. If you can't, it's still better if you get like a good grade, like a 305 grade, you know, it's still good. What you want to avoid is using stainless steel that's scratched, um, like a deep scratch. Gotcha. Um, because that's where you're going to see issues. Also, stainless steel usually has an aluminum... Um, Kind of like a base, which Mm -hmm. helps for the heat, like just to distribute the heat when you're cooking on a pan. So usually there's an aluminum core, core, right? So you don't want to scratch stainless steel because then that aluminum core will come out. And aluminum, aluminum, aluminum. Sorry, I span it.
0: No, no, you're you're doing good. Yep, you're doing
1: great. Like oh, the English. Yes. (laughs) Spanish is my first language. Um, anyways, so yeah, that's a neurotoxin, and that can migrate out. Gotcha. So as long as you have a, a good quality, you know, good quality, and in good quality, you yes. know, so you want no scratches or anything, it's relative. It's it's going to be safe. Having said that, I don't recommend cooking on stainless steel only every single day. Gotcha. And I think that that's where you want glass, and you also want cast iron, and you kind of want to diversify um for everything that you're using depending on if it's cookware or if it's if you're talking about containers Um, for food containers I personally prefer glass
0: and even for water like if you had a choice like I just found a glass water bottle that's like the Stanley where it like has Mm -hmm. the handle and it fits in the cup holder it's made in China but it's glass do you think that's better than like the Stanley that's stainless steel Um, or it's like hard to say
1: I think it's hard to say if you're not testing it, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, it te- it will more, it'll be better. Yeah. Um, but, okay. you, know, you know, usually with glass, and this isn't for everything, because there's some cases where there's been glass that has been found to contain lead, for example, you know, mm-hmm. usually that'll be either crystal or that'll be, usually it'll be if the glass. Um, something painted on it, right? Gotcha. Like um, number, if you have like a baby bottle and the numbers uh-huh. ounces are painted with a paint, that'll usually be that. What's going to get you into trouble? Gotcha. Um, so generally speaking, glass is inert and will be safe mm-hmm. to use. Um, That's great.
0: What about? clothes and like blankets you know i think this could just be what's in my space right now but it feels like there's a lot of talk about yoga wear and athletic wear and a lot of brands seem to have been popping up otherwise the instagram algorithm has just found me <laughs> i'm just sure. keep getting advertised with all this stuff like how bad are the yoga pants and the things that a lot of women especially in the fertility pregnancy time period are wearing probably every day
1: I I love that you're asking this because this is something that is relatively new. I mean, we've known about BPA and polyester for at least five years, but it's really hasn't made its way to mainstream media until probably the last couple of years. So it's, you know, it can potentially be a huge source of, and then we'll talk about. So um, the problem is that clothing that contains polyester, if you have a polyester spandex, blend, which is what you usually have in a lot of um, workout clothes, right? Mm-hmm. From shirts to leggings. Um, usually that that's a polyester spandex blend, all those really cool leggings that you see everywhere. And that has been found overwhelmingly to contain BPA. Um, no one's really clear why, how the BPA is there.
0: Right.
1: But, you know, polyester is plastic and something about that blend is producing BPA. So if you are using your leggings every single day, if you're using leggings, a sports bra and a performance t-shirt, right? Like an exercise t-shirt all day, every single day, that could potentially be a huge source of BPA exposure because our skin are an organ and our skins absorb everything at low levels, but it adds up if it's something that you're doing every day. So Yeah. yeah. Definitely really important. The other chemical that we're seeing in um, athletic wear are PFAS chemicals. And that's been also recently, um, and it's harder to define. It's usually because it's more like performance wear and they're looking for the ability of PFAS to like wick away the sweat, um, the waterproofing, that's, so you do, you know. I think this is something that was not on my radar with my first two pregnancies because no one knew about this.
0: No, yeah, same. But
1: now we know, and I feel like, well, you know, maybe yeah, it's definitely worth maybe investing in uh, one pair of organic leggings, um, or one pair of you know one or two pairs of organic bras, and then slowly, you know, I know it's really hard to just be like I'm throwing all my clothes away and mm-hmm. starting from scratch. But if you can at least incorporate one or two. Um, I definitely think it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that I am caring so much about this is, you know, I'm a doctor. I run a lot of toxicity labs on people and I have patients who literally are doing everything quote unquote perfect. They don't eat anything out of plastic. They don't drink anything out of plastic. They have all this stuff, but they're athletic people who live in athletic wear all day long and they have high levels of BPA. And for a couple of years I've just been like, where is this coming from? How do you have all this BPA? And now that this is coming out about leggings and athletic wear, I'm curious if maybe that's where. So that's really interesting to me. So thank you for, for Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and I'll add to that that polyester, it's not only um it's not only the BPA and the PFAS, but something that's lesser even like spoken about even less is that the dyes used for polyester. um, There's a couple of dyes that polyester is a plastic. If you think about like dyeing plastic is it's harder. It won't absorb as much as like a cotton, right. Or anything like a fabric will absorb it. Plastic is just plastic. It doesn't absorb things as much. Um, So they need stronger dyes. And there's a lot of dyes. um, Some of them are actually banned in Europe that are used in polyester, and they are carcinogens, they are allergens. So, and then finally, just like for the environment, polyester is plastic, <laughs> it'll be around forever. Um, so, so many reasons to slowly switch out. Um, you know, I'd also mention that underwear would be important. You know, a lot of people use, especially bras are often made out of polyester. Um, So, you know, switching those out, because that's something that you have on your body for hours and hours
0: and hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so great. So speaking of that, do you have any of favorite brands or like things that you have resources for people. Yeah. It's like so overwhelming. It's like, where do I begin? Let me tell you yes, please so tell.
1: Specifically for clothing. I actually have a guide um that I sell oh, and it has over. I'm actually working on the updated version of it, which I'll sell. I'll send to everybody who's already purchased it. And then if you purchase it, you'll get it. It'll mm-hmm. have over 180 um, companies making GOTS certified organic clothing. Um, oh, so wow. It's great because it, it it starts with children's clothing, baby and children's clothing, but it includes women's underwear, um, Perfect. Women's clothing in general, there's bedding in there, there's some like extra things, um, there's even window treatments, and then there's a new section for men, which I'm starting <sighs> that's what
0: I'm adding. Um, oh my so- gosh, I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to buy that from you because...
1: It's hard, it's right? I feel like what's really interesting is that what I the reason I did this this guide is that I realized, and it was for myself. I'm like, I want to start buying more organic clothing for the whole family. Where do I go? And there was all these companies that no one knows about. <laughs> I mean, there's these mm-hmm. amazing companies making yeah. amazing products, and just people don't know about them. So anyway, so that's yeah, for sure, that's that. Um, but yeah, but there are. I mean, I have. I have preferred brands for just about everything. Um, I mean, we could probably talk about some of them, but also my website has all of them. If if anyone's interested, they can just go there
0: also. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you made that resource. I have like a miniature version of like some resources of some of my favorite products, but you are like on another level. So for anyone who's looking for support on what products to buy and what to do. You are the lady. So as we kind of wrap up here, for anyone who is either just getting started on their fertility journey or in their pregnancy journey, this can all feel really overwhelming. What would you tell them, you know, who's just getting started? I mean, you've been through so much. You have so many years of this experience being a mother yourself. Like what kind of sage wisdom would you share?
1: Oh, hard. Um, so, um, you know, I think that the key thing is, well, there's two things, you know, first of all, you don't want to be overwhelmed because when stress and being overwhelmed can also be like a toxin mm-hmm. to your body. Right. And during pregnancy and, and the, con- um, the conception period that can be harmful. So Everything that you do, you know, try to just do one step at a time. You know, obviously with preconception and pregnancy, you have a shorter amount of time um, to do it, to make these changes. So I'd say, you know, do as much as you can before um, if you have the time, right? If, yeah. if you have the foresight, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, we want to try to start getting pregnant next year or in a couple of months, you know, take six months to kind of just kind of do, I hate to use the word detox, but do the detox Um, and just start making changes one thing at a time, maybe one a week, one every, you know, don't, don't go crazy, but um, try to prioritize. And I do think that it's worth, you know, I think that I wish, so, you know, we didn't talk about this, but just briefly, you know, with my last pregnancy, I had um, three, pregnancy losses and Mm. which is what led us to do IVF and then have my daughter. And I wish that I had, I mean, even with all the knowledge that I had, even I wish that after my first miscarriage, I wish I had stopped and like taken a moment to just like, you know, looked at my situation and just, you know, cleaned up and Mm -hmm. kind of you know, reassessed everything and then also taken my vitamins, make sure that your levels are appropriate or optimal and have done all of that almost as preconception care before moving on. Um, I feel that a lot of pain and anguish is avoidable. Maybe, you know, there's so many reasons, but it could be potentially avoidable. Let's say if we were, it's not our fault that we don't know any of this. You know, I wish my doctor had been like, Hey, you know, if you're looking to get pregnant, here are some things you could do. Here's a little, I kind of wish that had happened, Mm -hmm. but, um, I feel like, you know, podcasts like yours and your account Mm -hmm. really are stepping up for that. And I think that, um, I kind of lost my toes lot with the question, but I think that that's, that's what I kind of, you know, the sage is, I, if you have the time or take the time, if you can, yeah. you would just, you know, kind of clean up your routine, clean up your husband's routine mm-hmm. and, and start on a clean, you know, slate or whatever. Um, and I think that that is beneficial for everybody, um, both you and hopefully if you end up having a baby, a baby, you know, I think it would be great.
0: That. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't talked about before we wrap um, up.
1: No, I think that's it. Um I mean I, there's so much more, but I
0: know it's so <laughs> much. I Morgan and I sometimes will have like hour and a half podcasts and I'm just like we have to like not do that because sure <laughs> <sorry. laughs> Are so overwhelmed, but maybe we'll have you back as a guest <laughs> to go deep into things. I have so many questions for you. I'm gonna get your your clothing guide. I'm very curious about okay. bedding and blankets. And you know, it's through the holidays that I think you realize all these things that you want are toxic. <laughs> like, you know, all these fluffy robes at pottery barn and stuff, and you're just like, Oh, they're just polyester. This is so stressful. You're all polyester. I know. Yeah. I know. No, and that's what everyone about. has in
1: their homes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we could talk about microplastics. I mean, we could talk about it a lot. I know.
0: There's so much. I, but um, but if
1: how know, know, can people be overwhelming? So, yeah, it say, can be. This is like,
0: perfect. And- I, I love it. So, how can people find you and your resources and all of that?
1: So, I have my website, it's 3 threelittleplums.com. And I'm also on Instagram, which is three little plums with the number three. Um, And like I mentioned, I love working one-on-one with families. And it's, I find that it's really helpful, especially when someone's feeling really overwhelmed um, because I'm not an anxious person. So I do kind of just put perspective to the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's also available. And um, yeah, that's where I can be found.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Your wisdom and knowledge is so needed in this world. So thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. And thank you for yours. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Healthy as a Mother podcast. In order for others to hear this information, please leave a review with Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and send to a friend who could benefit from this content. We're so excited to share more on becoming and being a mother next time. And please remember that the ideas and views of this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for medical care of any kind, including the diagnosis or treatment of any illness or disease. Consult with your provider before integrating this information into your own care plan. And remember, a healthier future starts now and it starts with you.